listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Lashar Binkley. I am director of basketball operations for Overtime Heroics. I am a contributor for Space City Scoop. And of course, I am a podcast host for the Launchpad Podcast. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, today, we have a, a special podcast here. We have two Rockets uh, Twitter legends on with me today. And before I jump into the um, different segments we're going to have today, I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Yeah, so I'm Anthony Duckett, um, very familiar face of the Apollo um, Apollo Media, uh, also a site expert for Space City Scoop. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. Uh, and I'm Nima Javadzada. Uh, this is my first time actually on anything Apollo. So I appreciate y'all having me on here. But uh, I have my podcast, uh, Gen Z Rockets. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at Gen Z Rockets. I've had Lashard on there. I've had, uh, I've had AD on there. I've had a few other people at Apollo. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Finding Nima 23. All right. And of course, as you always, it's great having, you know, talking to y'all about the Rockets. Um, as Neva mentioned earlier, I've been on his podcast. Me and Anthony have done like 50 different podcasts uh-huh. probably together, <laughs> along with working uh-huh. together on Space City Scoop. Um, so, of course, we, we all know each other pretty well. Um, but in today's show, we're actually going to have uh, we're going to talk about in the first segment, we're going to talk about Rockets free agency not only just the top of the free agency, but, you know, some of the other players that they make and get that a lot of people may not be talking about. Uh, in the second segment, we're, what we're going to actually do is compare this Rockets team, not only this Rockets team, but let's just say they get K. Cunningham, that Rockets team to some of the playoff teams that are currently uh, in the playoffs right now, like teams like the Knicks or the Memphis Grizzlies, teams that, you know, were maybe not contenders, but teams that are, you know, showing that they can be competitive when it comes to, uh, being in the playoffs. And then in the third final segment, we're going to talk about uh, the overall playoffs that's still going on right now. And then we're going to talk about some of the idiotic fans <laughs> that we have seen throughout the playoffs in different cities. We're, I'm going to get the uh, guys' thoughts on that. Uh, but first, we're going to start off with uh, talking about some uh, Rockets free agency. Um, at the time that we're talking about this, uh, the Rockets won't exactly have a lot of cap space. Um, it kind of depends on what they do. If they do get that first pick, that's $9 million that's automatically slotted to that first uh, number one, one overall pick. And then you have to factor in players like uh, Avery Bradley, even though they're not going to pick up that team option. I'll be shocked if they did. So that's 6 or $7 million that they'll have there. Um, but then you have unguaranteed, uh, non-guaranteed contracts. So Jay Sean Tate and K.J. Martin, they'll be added on. Um, but they can also trade players like Eric Gordon that would also give them cash space and they'll have their non-taxpayer mid-level exception which as we all know as Rockets fans they don't pay the tax so they'll probably have that money as well so uh let me first start off with uh with you Nima let me ask you are there any free agents you know top of the list free agents that you know maybe they'll shockingly leave their teams that you think the Rockets could get or any free agents maybe that a lot of people aren't talking about that the Rockets should probably try to pursue uh yeah so I guess at the top um you got to think about like what are really the things that the Rockets are trying to 
you know, fill. Because right now in free agency, I don't really think you're looking for like, you know, another point guard or anything like that. You want to yeah. give that to Kevin Porter Jr. You still have John Wall on the books. Um, but like a two guard, you know, a two, three guard would be nice. I think I, it depends on what we do with Sterling Brown and David Nwaba as well. I mean, like both of them are expiring. Yeah. Both of them can be brought back. Um, but do you really want to bring them back? I think Nawaba is like 28 uh, coming off that hand injury that basically sat him out all year. And Sterling Brown just couldn't stay healthy one bit this year. So it would be nice to kind of get someone without a lot of injury history. Um, but that's another problem with this free agency class. Like a lot of the guys that, you know, I would want them to target have a big free agency history. Guys like Justice Winslow, um, you know, Houston native who kind of plays the role pretty well of being like a point guard, but a good defensive player. Uh, but he just can't seem to stay on the court. Um, we'll probably bring, bring back Kelly Olenek. In terms of the top, you know, there's John Collins, who everybody's still pretty high about. I'm still pretty high about. But, you know, if you get the second pick and you get Mobley, you probably don't want Collins. Uh, I'm really high on Gary Trent Jr. And I think that there's a world where, you know, the Raptors maybe give him up, especially if they get a guy like Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham. Um, and I think that's a great pairing for Kevin Porter Jr., especially if we draft Kev uh, Evan Mobley. But again, you know, we don't really have that cap space. And so kind of looking at like the bottom of the list, maybe a rim running center like a Nerlens Noel or a JaVale McGee. Um, another center that I would like for them to try and snag who's a restricted free agent is Tony Bradley. Yeah. Uh, he's had some really good moments, but the thing is he's an OKC and I don't know if OKC's cool with us taking anything from them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they probably want draft picks for it. <laughs> yeah, they don't have enough of them, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like it, it's it's such a weird free agency because there's like it's just a bunch of like role players who all of them you would really think kind of want to you know get on a championship team, and that's not what the Rockets are anytime soon. Yeah, and you want to get healthy guys kind of moving forward, and there's really not much of that. And we're also just in a really weird, like, up-in-the-air position. I like what you, uh, what you put on your article the other day of getting Bobby Portis. Um, we had talked about it a little bit, but, you know, having a three-man rotation at, at the center position, a power forward center position uh, with Kelly Olenek, Christian Wood, and Bobby Portis would just kind of make that team deadly, gives you three guys who can space the floor at all times, all of whom are decent defenders, all of whom are good rebounders. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different routes the Rockets can go this year, but it's it, like, we're just very, uh, we're very stuck right now. And it, there's going to have to be a move made one way or the other um, to figure out if we can even be a player this year in free agency. Yeah. I mean, in my, my opinion, um, Portis would actually be a really good ad. You're not going to, I guess the assumption is if you bring in Bobby Portis, you're not keeping Olenek, right? Because Portis will be much, much cheaper. Yeah. And I think Portis would be like a plan B in the event that Olenek gets paid, you know, massively, which could happen. Uh, a team that has a lot of cash plays could throw some cash at him. I don't think he's really worth 16, 17, 18. I don't really think Olenek's worth more than 14, personally. I know Rockets Twitter kind of disagrees on that, but I think who you get as a free agent has a lot to do with whether you keep him or not. Um, I also like Zach Collins uh, a lot. No, John Collins. I'm sorry. Zach Collins. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> not Zach Collins. John Collins. Uh, I like John Collins a lot too, but I mean, he's going to get paid. I, he, yeah. 
I read that he turned down a hundred million dollar deal four years, and he wants a max. If he, if if he wants a max, then the Rockets aren't going to give him that. And I don't really know that he will get a max. Um, maybe, but I'm really sure he's worth that. Uh, one guy I like a lot is Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, because the Rockets could use shooting. I mean, they were awful at three point shooting this season, and I know they're you know probably going to bring back. Um, Armani Brooks, who, you know, had some flashes towards the end of the year. Um, and, you know, Southern Brown was a pretty good three-point shooter. I don't, know, I don't know if he's back or not. But, uh, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. can light it up. He shot 40% last season, 39.1% this season. Um, basically 16 points a game for the last three years in Dallas. Uh, Rockets fans know all too well what he can do because yeah. – he seems to turn into Reggie Miller or Ray Allen when he plays against the Rockets. Um, but he's, I mean, he was on a four-year $70 million deal also. So, I mean, if if, that, if that's the price, I don't know that I would want to pay that. Um, unless, all the way I want to give someone $70 million from the Rockets is if I think that is the missing piece. Yeah. And the reality is I think the Rockets are, are more than one player away from, you know, being top four in the West. So for that reason, you know, if if that's if he wants seventy plus million, then I would pass on Tim Hardaway. But um, but I do think that his skill set could be very very helpful for the Rockets and kind of what they need. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the thing. Um, the Rockets, this isn't the you know, basically this isn't your father's <laughs> Rockets. This isn't the, the James Harden Rockets where they're just hey let's go out and get this guy even though he's a veteran. The Rockets are probably going to be looking for players more that, you know, I don't want to say fits in their timeline. I don't want to get to that, but players that can still develop with the, you know, with the young core. And even if you're looking at a player like, like you said, with John Collins, he would be perfect for his team. But like you said, he's going to be looking for max money. It's not going to be a lot of teams that are going to have a lot of cap space. And even if they are, I don't know if John Collins is a player that they're going to give that max contract to, but he's probably going to be looking for more than what the Rockets even probably going to have in cap space because even if they trade away Eric Gordon, that's not going to be nearly enough for, you know, for a max slot, they would have to move on from John wall. And that's a whole different conversation. And I don't still don't see a route to where they do that this year. So yeah, you're going to be looking at uh, players like, and I didn't even mention, thank you for mentioning um, uh, the article. Uh, I was thinking of players like a uh, Rashawn Holmes or a uh, Bobby Portis or, you know, players like that, they're going to be, they're going to be looking for a salary uh, raise for sure because Bobby Porter is on a $3 million player option. And I have Rashawn Holmes, I think he was making around $5 million last year. So they're definitely going to be looking for a raise, but I don't think they're going to get to the point where it's going to be astronomical. I think um, it's probably going to come in less than Kelly Olenek. So those type of players are the players I think the Rockets are going to be looking at. And even with a Tim Hardaway Jr., again, it comes down to – they would have to move on from Eric Gordon because those they, their two games are similar as far as, you know, being a, you know, a three point shooter that can kind of spread the floor, even though I think Eric Gordon, even at this point is still maybe a better defender. Um, but those are the type of players that Rockets are going to be looking at. Um, well, I mean, let me ask uh, both of y'all, would y'all even consider if you knew that you can possibly go after a, a one of the, you know, top free agents, let's say like Alonzo Ball or, I mean, a, a pipe dream would be Kawhi Leonard. But a, a player like that, would you then consider maybe trading one or both of those later round picks with a John Wall to get off that contract? Yeah, I would. Um, 
I think, you know, if, if it's like a sign and trade type deal, and I think that there is kind of, you know, room for that, especially with uh, with the issue with, let's say, you know, in the Lonzo Ball example specifically, um, because it seems like they might not bring him back. I remember there was a report about a month and a half ago, two months ago, so it might have changed that the uh, Pelicans weren't going to match anything over $22 million. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's money that the Rockets are willing to spend on Lonzo Bow, who I think, you know, uh, we look at Kevin Porter Jr. and how he's a lot like Harden uh, in playing style. I say I think Lonzo Ball is the kind of playing style, uh, you know, player that would have fit very nicely next to Harden, a very good defensive player who can, who can pass the ball pretty uh, really well, not even pretty well. Um, great playmaker, and he's actually become a very, very good shooter. Uh, and so I would like to see him, you know, alongside Kevin Porter Jr., who even though he, you know, showed flashes of being a really good point guard, he had that 11-assist game, uh, even while scoring 50. So, you know, it, it, it shows that he can still, you know, be that number one option. I would like for there to be another playmaker on the floor next to him, just in case yeah. it doesn't work out very well, because he's still very young and you never really know how well that's going to translate over time. Um, I think that, you know – with the 23rd and 24th pick, there's a lot of guys you can get who could be boom, but there's a lot of guys you can get who can be bust. And um, if the Pelicans call you up and say, hey, we want to figure out – or, like, pick this guy at 23 and – I guess it doesn't work that way because – well, I guess if we have a uh, – because free agency is going to be after the draft. So if you have a 23rd and 24th pick and you pick some guys and you test them out, you don't really like one of them, and you're willing to throw them into a deal with John Wall and, you know, bring back Lonzo Ball and maybe Steven Adams for a couple of years, I think you do it just to get off that contract. I'd rather have Steven Adams at 15 million, 16 million than John Wall at 47. So. Yeah. And I even think that, you know, that's something you can think about with the Pelicans because they honestly, they want to get off the Steven Adams contract. You know, they're going to try to find whatever way they can to get off that contract. So, I mean, that's definitely something that could be a possibility. I mean, in my opinion, <clears throat> I guess the original question of if we, we would attach a late draft pick to get rid of John Wall, I've always kind of been on the stance of no, simply because what all we can do with those picks. Like, I have always been on the train of try and package some of those picks for a proven star player, yeah. whether it's a Levine, whether it's a Bill, whether it's it, – I doubt – Minnesota would give up cat for, for late draft picks unless you're including. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not they're not gonna do that. Uh, I don't even think they would do that for our our top. I mean, for our, our top draft pick. But um, I always kind of thought that was the way to go. Um, e even if you're bringing out somebody with a year left in Levine, I just kind of thought if you're gonna get rid of draft picks, that's probably the way to do it. But I do understand the logic of getting off of Wall's contract. You know, because he's he's got he's got he's got two years left on his deal, right? Yes, two years. Pretty sure he's got, yeah, he's got two years left. Player option to 47. He's definitely taking that 47. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you know, so, um, I mean, I would try my hardest to do a buyout of some sort with him before getting rid of draft capital. Um, I don't really know about Steven Adams. Um what I guess, what does his contract look like? Stephen Adams' contract. Uh, three, three years, fifty-one million. So he's got. Is it is it two years left? Three years left. Uh, the extension goes. It kicks in next year. So you'd be on oh. twenty twenty-four. 
<laughs> it's, it's a dicey situation because you're looking at the you know John Wall and all the money he's making. You're pretty much going to have to take back somebody else's crappy contract. I mean that's that's just going to be the the fact of the matter unless it's the last year for his contract, which I know we've all kind of talked about. That's probably going to be the best time to you know, try to trade John Wall. He's in the final year of his contract. Yeah, I just think that a year from now will be much, much easier to get rid of Wall. Like you said, he'll be in the last year, $47 million. There's no long-term commitment with him. Uh, I, I honestly think that – I know we were talking about Adams, but I, I honestly think the best route to go is approaching John Wall and really calling his bluff on how much do you want to be on a contending team and get out of here. He's already made a lot of money, uh, both on the court and off the court. And if he's already, whether this is meaningful or not, he's doing Instagram surveys of he will leave, <laughs> not going to come back. Um, whether he meant that or not, who knows. But uh, I do think he, he would have to be tempted. You know, he, he's an older player. Um, he has to be tempted by the idea of joining like the Clippers, per se. I know you say he was really close with Paul George. They could definitely use a, a point guard, a floor general. Uh, Knicks could also use him as well. Um, and they're already a contending team right now. Well, I mean, they, they don't look like in the first round, but but they're, you know, they're already a fairly good team. I think, I just think the way to go is I don't think he gives back 47 million. Most of the time, buyout players, buyouts don't really give back much, um, like three or four or five percent at the most, per se. I don't know, he'll give up 50 percent, but I, I, I honestly feel like I would rather just. If I'm well, obviously it's not my money. I'm not. I'm not the <laughs> But well, I think some the of better, that is some of that is less money too. So just yeah, it's true. <laughs> that's true. Actually, a lot of that is less money. <laughs> but I just think that the wise decision would be to just pay whatever it costs on a buyout and keep those draft picks because I think yeah. you can use those draft picks much better use than to get rid of his contract because you get rid of his contract, as you say, you got to bring in somebody making similar money to make the deal work and then you're stuck with another bad contract yeah um, sorry before we move on because we're talking about trading picks there was the the talk about how colin sexton might want to get or not might want <laughs> how the Cavs might move on from colin sexton yeah uh, i had i i put out a, a poll to see if you know what people think i want to get y'all's opinion if the because the Cavs also have a, a pick i think it's currently slotted at four i believe it can fall down to seven um, or not seven, eight. If that pick is, let's say, six, seven, or eight, so not in the top five, and the Rockets get a top four pick, what kind of situation are you willing to trade one of those picks for Colin Sexton in like a top, and you know, the six, seven, or eight pick? So trade one of the later picks? No, so let's say you get like a top four pick. Let's say you get like number two. Yeah. And offers two for Sexton and eight. Would you do uh, that? <laughs> I don't know about two. That yeah, the two probably. You no, know, what, 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 I guess the question is, uh, like, at what point would you say yes to the deal? Like, with what pick? Uh, definitely number four, just because I'm not completely sold on Jalen Suggs, and I know Kamingo probably will still be there, and but he's a, to me, he's a, he's going to be really great, or he's going to be, he's going to be really more like a role player. So round that fourth pick, possibly. But even three, I'm taking Jalen Green. I just think Jalen Green's upside is just 
tremendous. I think he can probably be the best player in a draft if it falls right for him. So I would probably say four, in my opinion, at the latest. That's that's the only way I can see doing that. I think four is kind of high. <laughs> um, to, I mean, he's he's a nice player. He's a solid player. Uh, 24 game. What, what did he shoot? Uh, 37%. I mean, he's a solid player. I just think that with the fourth pick, you can probably get somebody better. Um, but the idea of getting back, like, I don't know that I, I mean, I guess getting back the eighth pick could be useful in another trade. Um, but we've all kind of noted that if you're drafting top 10, really outside of the top three, yeah, the rest of it can kind of be a crap shoot. There's a big gap between oh, yeah. the top three players and in the back half with who's going to be in the top 10. Um, so I guess, I mean, if you're trading a four, for Sexton and another top 10 pick that that top you know you're you're replacing that pick yeah I mean I guess in that case that that wouldn't be a bad idea but I just think that four is a little high for a, a for a player like Sexton yeah I think I think for me like I, I see Sexton as a higher ceiling than Suggs maybe Suggs is the more winning player just because he seems to you know be more a, a sol- solid player, kind of like Tyrese Halliburton type, where you know he comes in and immediately impacts a team, like a high impact guy. Which it's kind of hard to say whether or not Sexton is yet. Which you know maybe saying Suggs is that is a little um, you know premature. But but I think you know the good thing about with Stone, uh, we've seen that he can get really creative. I think that there's a world where maybe I don't want to. I also would say we don't do we don't do three. Um, because, you know, Jalen Green. Um, But I think there's a world where maybe you trade four for Sexton and eight, and then maybe you move back up to six or five with, you know, eight and a future, you know, two picks or maybe the later pick and another pick or something like that. Um, I wouldn't mind Sexton next to Kevin Porter Jr. We've seen that work in Cleveland. I think having that little, that duo back would be a lot of fun though. Yeah, I mean. uh, You know, Allen brought up that the, the, uh, the sex, the Sexton and Wood uh, puns would just be incredible. So, oh god, <laughs> Matt, Matt Bull and Craig Ackerman would have a field day with those. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, the Rockets have a lot of options. Of course, the options are a lot better if they get one of those top four picks. But I mean, the Rockets have a lot of options because I mean, worst case scenario, I know Rockets fans don't want to hear this, but worst case scenario, you still have three picks in the first round regardless. So, even if they don't get that first four picks. Um, they still will have, if I'm not mistaken, 18, 23, and 24, which yeah. is still pretty good. And, and I, I don't think there's any way the Rockets will keep all three of those picks if they don't get a top four pick. I think in some way, somehow, they will work their way back up towards the um, – closer towards the uh, lottery if they, you know, were to have those three picks. So, I mean, that's a good thing. They have options regardless. So, I mean, we'll see how all that plays out, you know, coming up, at, you know, again, as we all count down to the 22nd. So, um, but that's going to wrap it up for the first segment. The second segment, we're going to kind of compare uh, what the future Rockets look like compared to some of the teams that made the playoffs this year and you know, how they stack up with those teams. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Hello, and we are back on the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. 
again, make sure to uh, drop us some stars and reviews if you like the podcast. Um, and we're back for a second segment. In this second segment, we're going to talk about how the future Rockets, we're going to actually assume that the Rockets do get one of those top, let's just say top two picks and get Mobley or Kate Cunningham. We're going to kind of compare them um, to some of the bottom tier playoff teams like the Grizzlies, like the New York Knicks, um, teams that are, you know, even teams like uh, Golden State Warriors who were like one game out of the playoffs. Uh, we're going to compare them to those teams to kind of gauge on where they might fall next year. So I want to start off with you, uh, Nima. What's your kind of your opinion on if the Rockets do get a K Cunningham? And I know that free agency is going to have a big part of that and who's kind of coming back and who doesn't. But just kind of the core of the team adding a K Cunningham, for instance, do you see them having any chance of fighting for a play-in spot next year? Yeah, I honestly do. Because I think if you get Cade Cunningham, you know, not even talking about who would come, you get a number one pick who's a very unique talent. I think you're able to get a couple free agents if, if you have the money to do so. Um, and then just talking about, like, the core guys on our team, Cade Cunningham, Kevin Porter Jr., K.J. Martin, Jay Sean Tate, and Christian Wood, and I guess you can kind of throw Kelly Olenek in there too, although it's not 100% certain he's coming back. All four, all five of those guys, or even, you know, without Cade, the other four guys will probably take a step forward next year, and I, I'm pretty positive they will. I mean, K.J. Martin with every single game looked way better. Kevin Porter Jr. looked to be able to get really comfortable towards the end of the season until he got hurt. Um, Christian Wood, I think if he stays healthy, he's fine. I mean, he was basically an all-star this year whenever he was healthy before the injury. Um, he would have been an all-star probably if he didn't get injured. He probably even would have been most improved player in the top three. He was fourth place. Um, if he never gets hurt, he's definitely in that top three. So I think he might even be up for most improved player again next year, just because of longevity. Um, and I think he takes another step forward. He said he was going to work on his playmaking and some of his defense. Um, I hope he works on his uh, – he's going to get a little bit bigger, I'd hope, as well, and maybe he gets a little bit more paint presence. Uh, and then, you know, Tate as well, just a very good player, very solid player, and very. I feel like he's a very, you know, scalable player. No matter who's around him, he's going to play better. Um, and so I think there's a chance we're a play-in team, probably closer to that 9 or 10 seed, less than, you know, being around the 7-6 area. Uh, but, I, you know – I think that's exactly where the Rockets want to be next year. I talked about this before we got started. You know, I don't really see us being a team that tanks next year again. Um, just because you, you guys saw how, you know, Silas got scapegoated, Stone got scapegoated all throughout the season. Yeah. The season where, you know, we had 30 guys play for the team, NBA record. Um, nobody was really hurt. I believe like almost our entire starting five missed more than 20 games. So, you know, I can't really blame them for being the worst team in the league this year. Like, it, it, it really was sort of an organic tank, and I don't see that happening next year, especially if they're healthy. I think the young guys take a step forward. And, you know, if we are to lose out again, even if we do get a number one pick, what happens to Silas then? Or what happens to Christian Wood? Because now people already want to trade him. Uh, for, I, which I still don't get either. And people already are calling for Silas's job. So, you know, maybe it's not as like, you know, not secure within the front office as it seems to be with fans, but there's going to be people, you know, calling for Silas to get fired or calling for Christian Wood to get traded or even 
people are already kind of saying that we should, you know, sell on Kevin Porter Jr. and stuff like that while, while we can. And, you know, it's, I, I think that the goal is should always be to win. This season was a one in, once in the blue moon type season. It was everything went wrong at the right time. And I think next season, hopefully everything gets a little bit better and we get into that playing spot. I don't really see us being much better than that unless, you know, somehow Kawhi Leonard really wants to come to Houston. But other, other than that, I think the play-in is probably where our, our potential is for next year. Hey, well, one thing you you said now about Kawhi coming to Houston, we know he likes strippers, and Houston is a stripper capital. Strippers, and beaches in San Diego, Texas. <laughs> I know him and Harden talk, so yeah, I'm sure they talked about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the Rockets next season definitely would be uh, like uh, play in team. I mean, they remind me. I mean, well, I say remind me. I haven't even seen who they're going to have, but but I think they'll be probably like a Memphis. Um, I think that you're going to – they're going to get carried quite a bit by KPJ. Um, obviously, I think, I think Wood is better than Jaron Jackson Jr., but uh, especially if, if you have a Cade, I mean, yeah, there's no reason why you wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a seven seed at least. Um, like you said, this season, it, it really irked me seeing all the whole, oh, let's tank, let's tank. And you saw that commander tank, oh, let's lose these games on purpose. Like, that was never the goal. No. said in every press conference, like they really want to win. You could see when they lost games, Silas was sunk after the games were over. He was in a bad mood. I mean, he said he lost sleep during that losing streak. So it's like people were talking about tanking. That was never the goal. You had a record number, 30 players, right? 40 plus different lineup changes. Like somebody was arguing with me on Twitter. Of course, Rockets Twitter is, is the best. <laughs> <laughs> About all oh, the Rockets were uh, seventeen and fifty-five, or uh, yeah, seventeen fifty-five. I was like, well, yeah, because look who what they had to deal with, right? They had thirty different players. They didn't, they couldn't ever really get a set a set lineup, a solid, steady lineup. That's gonna happen. That that was never. It was never a goal. Oh, we're gonna just throw games on purpose and taxes. They're not gonna do that either. They're gonna be a lot better next year. They also had a talent gap this season. I mean, when um, when Wood got hurt, right, they were looking for – I mean, we signed Patton. Um, we signed um, – who was the other big man that we signed late in the year for a couple games? Um, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> There's so many of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, they were just trying to, trying to find bodies, you know. Yeah. I mean, these are players that they didn't even – the Rockets didn't even – I'm sure they didn't even know these guys. <laughs> Um, I'm amazed that these guys were all in pretty good shape because most of them like hit the ground running when they first got signed, you know, but I'm just saying like, if you're having to rely on that, you're definitely not going to win 40 games, you know, or even 30 games. Right. But next season, none of that will be an issue. Uh, at least I don't think, you know, we don't know the health, what's going to happen health wise, but I can't imagine that anything next season will be anything like this year. <laughs> so, um, I do think that next season that the Rockets will be a play-in team. Actually, I think they're going to be very similar to the OKC Thunder team of, I want to say, 2010, when they were the eight seed playing against the Lakers. That was uh, when Harden, Russ, and Harden and Russ were still very, very early in their careers. Yeah. That was the, um, the that course, first time making the playoffs. Very young team, young unit. And, um, I mean, they took the Lakers to, I think, six games uh, in, in the first round. They played a pretty tough series against, against the Lakers. Um, but it was just there was just a lot of youth and, and inexperience, right? And that series and that season really kind of helped propel that core uh, forward. 
So I actually think the Rockets next season with the Cade will be a lot like that OKC Thunder team. I think it was 2010 I'm thinking about. Yeah. And I mean, and you got to think about it. You look at the team this year. I mean, even with the Knicks, you have a player like Julius Randle. I mean, is he really that much better than Christian Wood? I mean, if, if you really look at it, I mean, he may have a more refined offensive game, but is he better overall player than Christian Wood? I don't think there's that huge of a gap. And then if you have if you have John Wall at any point, because, I mean, I know we all would like to, for John Wall's contract not to be on the Rockets, but in reality, he's probably going to be on the team next year. If he's willing to buy in at all, just like Derrick Rose is kind of, and that's kind of where Derrick Rose's career you know, resurgence took off was he started buying into you know, not being the man, he's fine with being the facilitator, the the sixth man, even though he's starting now a lot in the playoffs. But if John Wall was willing to do that, I mean, he can be ever he can be just as good as a Derrick Rose. I mean, I think John Wall still has a lot left in the tank if he's willing to change his game. And then you factor in players like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jay Sean Tate, and um, if you get a K Cunningham. I mean, there's really no reason why the Rockets shouldn't be at least competing for a playing spot. I mean, I know the Lakers were at the bottom of the list last uh, this year as far as, you know, being the seventh seed, but that was really more for injuries. So you're looking at teams like uh, even with Golden State, I know Klay Thompson may come back next year, but who knows how he's going to be next year. And then, you know, you're factoring in their injuries and James Wiseman really going to be that much better. Nobody really knows. So there's still room for the Rockets to, you know, get into that play-in game. And I know Memphis is kind of the it team, but – I mean, you got Ja Morant. I mean, is 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 Jackson really that much better than Christian Wood? Like you said, I don't think he is better than Christian Wood. I think the Rockets, if if the Rockets are healthy, the Rockets have just as good or a better team than the Memphis Grizzlies when you look at it. So, I mean, it's, it's plenty of room for the Rockets to fit into that playing spot or even get into maybe possibly the, the you know, the six, seven seeds. It's kind of all depends on how it plays out, especially with free agency. But – for people that want them to tank again next year, I mean, you're kind of talking about people's livelihoods. Players never think that way because they're playing for their next contract. They're playing to win. I mean, Coach Siles, like you said, Anthony, there's no way he wants to go through another season like that because that could cost him his job. So players and coaches don't think like that. They don't think, well, I want to tank and ah, we can go get a, you know, a you know, a, a, a so-and-so player next year's draft, they don't think like that. And I think they're going to come out, you know, with a full training camp, a full off season, and a, another year where they're actually playing together. And I think they really do have a good chance of uh, getting into that play-in spot. Um, so that's going to wrap up for the second segment. We're going to have a shorter second segment uh, this time around. But in the third and final segment, we're going to kind of talk about the overall playoffs. And also we're going to talk about some of the, uh, let's say, uh, quote unquote fans that um, probably shouldn't be attending any more games when it comes to the uh, NBA. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to get the guy's opinion on that whole situation. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And continue here on the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. All right, so for this final segment, we're going to talk about 
the actual NBA playoffs that are still going on. I know it's hard to believe that there is basketball still being played without the Rockets, but there mm-hmm. is a playoffs going on and we're going to talk about that. But before we talk about the actual games, I wanted to get the guy's opinion on now multiple fans that have been either arrested or banned indefinitely or for life <laughs> from NBA games going forward for being basically idiots, throwing stuff on the court, spitting on players, um, I know it's always been rowdy fans, but it seems like it's getting even more out of hand lately. And I just want to get y'all opinions on that. So I'm going to start with you, Anima. What's your opinion on how some of the fans have been acting and are, are, are like some people are saying, are the players just overreacting because they make millions of dollars and they should be able to deal with it? Oh, man. Yeah. I, whoever's saying that is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's ridiculous to me how people kind of use like how much money someone makes as to how you can treat them. Um, it, and it, it kind of goes both ways, right? I mean, the people that are sitting down there make a lot of money. I mean, <laughs> yeah. tickets, the guy who spit on Trey Young, uh, those tickets are upward of $5,000. And I don't know anybody in their right mind who, you know, doesn't have a ton of money who's going to spend $5,000 on, you know, to take it to a game that you're probably going to lose. And so I, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand this, this wave of whatever is happening. I don't even want to give it a title. Um, the stuff with Russ was ridiculous. People were saying it's just popcorn. Um, people are saying that, oh, it's just a water bottle. And I think Sarge had a great tweet this morning that, you know, I want to, I want to shout him out and applaud him for it. Uh, that it was just popcorn and just a water bottle. Cause that's all they could get their hands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> that's, that's all they could get their hands on. And honestly, that's, that's 100% true. And, you know, maybe next week somebody throws you one of those hot personal Papa John's pizzas at somebody in a, in, in a game. And, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where it's a little ridiculous and not even a little, it's very ridiculous. And, you know, Kyrie's quote last night, it got taken a little bit out of context, but it, it's in the sense of, you know, you're, you're a, the guy in Boston last night was a white man wearing a black man's jersey, throwing a water bottle at a black man who you spent money to come and watch. Like, there's, there's an issue there. There's a serious issue there, especially when, you know, Kyrie – I don't give, I don't care if he stomped on, you know, your laminated logo of a leprechaun. That dude's ugly anyway. Your your cartoon logo. Yeah. (laughs) Your ugly cartoon logo. Like this man came out and asked you guys, no belligerence, no racism, please. And people were like, oh, he doesn't want us to boo. No, he doesn't want you to throw a water bottle, water bottle at him. He doesn't want to hear F Kyrie at a Red Sox game, a sport that he doesn't even play. Um, he doesn't want to hear racist comments and people are saying like, Oh, what racist comments? Why is he just saying it about Boston? Well, yeah, there's definitely bad blood between Kyrie and Boston. It's very clearly, and it's both ways for sure. Like, I I don't think Kyrie will ever, you know, call himself a Boston Celtics player ever in his career. I think he brings up the fact that, you know, he played at Duke before he brings up the fact that he played him. And he played there one year. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I think, like, there's definitely bad blood. But when he left, to think that there weren't a bunch of, you know, random people from Boston saying whatever racist comments they want at him in his DMs and in his mentions is ridiculous. Because we see it happen on a lot of different NBA players and athletes in general and just people in general. 
just you know the racist comments towards them out of nowhere from just you know people who want to hide behind a screen or people who are up in the rafters and you think the player can't get to you quick enough so you toss a water bottle at them and man lo- thank god the idiot who threw that water bottle has horrible aim because you you miss he apparently he grazed Kyrie and if he hits like that's that could very likely be a concussion it is 100% battery and it's 100% assault. People were asking how a water bottle is, de- is a deadly weapon. They've never had a water bottle hurled at their head because um, that hurts. Like it's it's a painful thing, especially if you're not. I mean, it's a full. I mean, even if it's not a full bottle, you're throwing it from several stories up, and I'm guaranteeing he just didn't drop it on him. He threw it at him. So. Oh. I mean, I mean, the, the the fact that, and, and before I get Anthony's opinion on that, I just want to say the the fact that. Everybody wants to make the excuse. Well, he stepped on a logo. That fan, for one thing, probably didn't even know he stepped on a logo. And, and number two, it's a it's a logo on a court that nobody even pays attention to, and they're just using it as an excuse for them to be able to do what they want to do. And I think you you, you mentioned it. Even. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, this is a whole separate podcast, and me and Anthony have talked about this type before. But let's just be honest. It's a bunch of black players. They have a lot of power, a lot more power than they used to, making millions of dollars. And then you have, you know, most of them are upset about so-and-so, especially Kyrie Irving, who speaks his mind a lot. They don't like that. And then you factor in, he also left the team on top of that. I mean, that all that added together, it didn't matter if Kyrie Irving was in the middle of the court praying to God and saying how much he loved Boston, he still would have had people that just cannot stand him in Boston. So the fact that he stepped on a logo was just an excuse that they can throw out there to make themselves feel better. But I just wanted to get that out and I'll let Anthony get, get his part in. So uh, what's your opinion on that, Anthony? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think stepping on a logo is reason to assault somebody. You know what I mean? Like, what does what what that even matter? Like, like you said, I don't even know he stepped on a logo until the next day, this morning when I saw it, right? <laughs> It wasn't like it was egregious. I mean, that's – I don't know why Kyrie would have stepped on a logo, but either way, that doesn't warrant you to hurl a water bottle or any object at a player, right? I mean, I don't really like the way, the way that Harden left, but if I was in a game and he came here, I wouldn't throw an object right. at him or exactly. or probably do anything besides say, you suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 really don't, I really don't understand. But there are some wild takes on this, man. Like, so, first of all – the what I think the behavior from these fans is wild is because it's really kind of cowardly. The Russell Westbrook thing, that fan waited till he was deep in the tunnel, deep in the tunnel to throw the popcorn, knowing that he couldn't go back into the stands because he was so basically he had, he had security and a large crowd behind him cornering him in, so he couldn't even get to the stands. They right? would never do this in in public right next never. to him. Never, <laughs> never would do anything like that in public. The Trey Young spitting stuff, that's that is so disrespectful. Like, why would you spit on a player? What? You know what I mean? Like, or anybody, not just a player, I mean anyone. You know what I mean? It's like, um, so that I mean, I don't know if it's because these fans haven't been able to go to games uh up until now, but um I think that's really, really disrespectful. And and I don't like the fact that at least the Sixers gave the fan a indefinite ban, right? And the yeah, Knicks... Which could change, yeah. Yeah, the Knicks gave the fan an indefinite ban, but that doesn't mean a lifetime ban. The Celtics gave that fan a lifetime ban, and they charged him. 
Now, you, you know, people are saying, you know, charging with assault and battery with a deadly weapon is over the top. I don't think it's over the top. This, that, that, that is the defined, that's the definition of assault, what, he, what happened, and it was an object involved. So that's what that kind of charge would be. But you know, I just respect, I respect the Celtics at least because right away they gave this guy a lifetime ban. Yeah. Now, you could argue the other part of the conversation, the, in the incident with the 76ers, that was the season ticket holder. So they're not they're they're not going to give him a lifetime ban. They want that money. <laughs> they're definitely not giving him a lifetime ban. And in the case of the Celtics, he's a 21 year old kid. Maybe they feel like, ah, you know, who knows? He goes to games a lot anyways. All they're really missing on his money that much. Man, maybe maybe not. But regardless, I think the way they handled that was the right way. But yeah, these bans are wild. And and I I saw I don't really agree with Max Kellerman. I don't like to talk about his takes. But this morning I they were talking about it on the first take. I caught a snippet of it, and he said, you know, it doesn't really matter if you give him a lifetime ban, because it could be lifted later on anyways. And I'm like, yeah, but that would make the team look so bad. If, if you gave a fan a lifetime ban for hurling an object or doing trash behavior like that, and then even two years later, you lift that ban. I mean, honestly, I think there'll be so much bad press that I don't think a team would consider doing that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that kind of goes to, kind of goes to the whole thing is, you know, at, at what point, you know, you have to arrest these people because just banning them from a game. I mean, I don't think that 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 really doesn't send a strong enough message. If you start arresting them and sending them to jail I, and they start, you know, having real life consequences. I think that's when the fans will start to be like, oh, OK, maybe I should act like I have some common sense. Like you said, I mean, if I'm not the biggest Harden fan, especially the way he left, but I'm not going to throw you know, stuff at him. And I mean, when Chandler Parsons left and he pretty much dogged off the whole entire uh, city of Houston, <laughs> talking about how dirty we were, you know, if when he comes back to, when he came back to the game, I wasn't, you know, looking to pull out my, you know, my candy <laughs> bar and throw it across the arena, hit him in the head. I mean, it was just basically like, ah, oh, you're not really a good player. You're, <laughs> you don't deserve the money. I mean, that's about as far as I go. Like you say, oh, you suck. That's about as far as I go. I'm not going to go off and start throwing stuff at people. That's just, it's idiotic. At the end of the day, I know we're all passionate about it, but it's a game. I mean, it's it's a game at the end of the day. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to, it's not life or death. I mean, it's a game at the end of the day. And it's a game that we don't have any stake in. Like, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, this is their careers. This is their lives. We simply just go and watch because we need something to do that evening. Right. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's, yeah. it's it's crazy to me. And another and like what you guys are saying about how they need to be banned and like banned for life is 100% right. Because like I said, these tickets are expensive. And a lot of the people that can buy these tickets have enough money to buy these tickets again. Yeah. And so, you know, you ban him for a game, that's fine. He'll come back next game and do the exact same thing. Like, and so... I there's there's a lot of things that the league has to do. The fact that has the NBA addressed this at all, any of these? So they did say they didn't put out a statement and saying that, you know, just the standard standard statement. Well, we take this very seriously. We're going to do blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. You, know, the, you know, standard stuff, nothing real substantial when it came to it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's really up to the teams to make sure they're protecting these players because this their arena and, you know, they have to make sure that they coming down as harsh you know people that saying it was too harsh oh it was just a water bottle that's not the point it's the intent he wasn't intending on throwing that to him because he was thirsty he was trying to hit up inside the head because he was trying to hurt him so i mean at the end of the day that's what it's all about it's the intent 
And that's why they need to make sure they arrest these people, send them to jail. And when they start losing their jobs and start losing their livelihood, then they'll be like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is not that serious. I pretty much ruined my own life because I was an idiot at a basketball game. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really up to these teams to protect these players. And like me and Nima was talking about, um, I think actually before the show even started, it's really no reason other than money why the, the, uh, the fans need to be right on top of the players anyway. Like Matt Buller talked about all year, how much so much better not having the fans right along the baseline. Like at some of the games, the fans are sitting right next to the players. It's just crazy. <laughs> they sitting right on the bench next to the players. There's really no reason for them to be that close. And that's why it's so much worse in the NBA because in the NFL, I mean, the players aren't what probably like maybe 50 feet, hundred feet away from the, the closest fan. Uh, same thing with baseball. I mean, even in the outfield, they're not right next to the fans. So, you know, it's just something that the NBA is going to have to fix. Um, and uh, before we end the show, I definitely want to kind of get your opinion just on the overall the actual games on the court. I want to get both of your opinions on, you know, how the playoffs are going so far. Um, like, for instance, we found out today Anthony Davis is not going to be playing in the next game. And Lucas actually, uh, his injury may be even more serious than he's actually talking about. Even though he says he's feeling better, there's still an injury that may not – it's not going to get any better anytime soon. So uh, what's kind of your opinion on the overall playoffs so far? Um, do you think the Lakers are in trouble? Do you think the Mavs are in trouble? What's kind of your opinion? Uh, I'll start with you, Anthony. Well, first off, Anthony Davis has given the nickname AD a lot of uh, uh, grief. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's kind of making me regret having that, having that, that nickname because, man, he's so up and down inconsistent. I feel like he, before injury, he was like two for nine. Yeah. Uh, before he got hurt in game one, he disappeared. Also, it's like, why is it that he has these again, not even talking about health? Why is it that he has these games where he just disappears in the playoffs? And then he has other games where he's like really, really dominant. You know, it's like, uh, but the, I mean, that injury that he had, um, it was a pretty sure it was a non contact injury if I saw it right, right? He just fell to the ground. I, I don't think he, yeah, he, he was, just he just fell down. And, you know, as soon as he got up, you already knew it was some, something was wrong. So, I, I mean, that could turn the tide in that series. I even saw some Lakers fans on Twitter today saying, like, you know, our season's over for us. I hate that we're going to, you know, go out like this. I was like, man, season's already over just because he's going to miss game five. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, uh, they stole a game from Phoenix game two, which was the game that Chris Paul – first game after Chris Paul's injury um, – uh, Phoenix got that game back, game four. So now you're going to game five, tied up 2 2. Uh, Crowder played big for them yesterday. Aiden has actually been playing really, really well this series, the whole series. Uh, so, I mean, I think Phoenix probably takes game five. It's definitely going to go to seven, but I don't know that AD is going to miss. I guess the big question is when he gets back, will he be still limited? Uh, or will he still be, you know, healthy enough to, to give it a go without a re-aggravation concern? Regardless, I think moving forward, the rest of the playoffs, that's going to be an issue for the Lakers because, I mean, he, there's not a lot of time in between Sunday and Tuesday to rest a groin injury. It's probably why he's out. Um, from here on out, that series is every other day. So I don't know how much time he'll have between Sunday and game six, which I think will be on Thursday, um, to really get back right. But that series has caught my attention. I really enjoyed uh, seeing Miami get swept. That was great. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, got all about to talk about that. That was that made that was a highlight of my weekend. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. 
Uh, I like what I've been seeing from the Hawks because I, I, I really, I'm really, really rooting for Capella, and I love Nate McMillan. I thought he shouldn't have got fired from Indiana in the first place. Uh, I like Trey Young, how, how he's been playing. Bogdanovich has been lighting it up. I mean, on Sunday he was like, uh, like money. I, I'm not sure how many threes he missed. Like he was just hitting all of them. Um, so that series is really good. Clippers that you mentioned, Clippers, Dallas. I don't really know what to expect in that series still uh, because I just don't, I don't buy it in the Clippers. Last year, I really sold on them as being like the second best team in the West behind the Lakers, and they, they folded all the way up three one uh, against Denver. So because of that, I, I don't really take them serious. Um, I don't really think Paul George is a the, is a peak playoff performer, although he has a name playoff P, which I don't know how that name even got started because he shouldn't have that nickname. <laughs> um, but I love seeing the Mavs fans fighting against each other after they lost. Yeah, in the in the parking lot, in the parking <laughs> What would it take for <laughs> for you to fight against a fan of the same team that you cheer for? Like y'all are both mad that y'all lost. But what what could you be disagreeing with that caused you to fight? <laughs> I, I don't know what it could it, it would take somebody disrespecting my family from a rock <laughs> with a rocket jersey. That's the only way I'm fighting after a game. <laughs> Yeah, I and mean, then the dude got out of the car and then fell down. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was great. But, I mean, playoff action has been really good. A couple series have kind of been snoozers. Wizards, Sixers has been one that I just wish could have ended a week ago, to be honest. <laughs> uh, uh, Jazz Memphis has been a good series, too. Um, so, all around, there's been some great some great games, great, great series, kind of like I thought would be. What I really, my biggest complaint, I know I'm rambling a little bit here. My biggest complaint is has been, I, I hate the 30-minute staggered games. I just don't understand. You'll have a 9 o'clock and a 9.30. And it's like the Lakers would come on, the Clippers would come on a half an hour later. It's like, is there no way that they could manage that better? Well, <laughs> you know? and also stop having just two games on one night and you have three. No, it, it should be. You should spread them out to where you have enough time in between the games or start the game earlier. I mean, I know some people may not see maybe some of the first quarter, but it, it got to be some way they can figure it out better. Because, yeah, you have one and nine and then one and nine thirty. You're trying to flip back and forth. I, you know, I can just imagine having to actually try to cover all that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, for me. You guys brought up the Mavs fight. I think the funniest part about it was all of them were wearing Luka jerseys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, was, that was just absolutely hilarious. But that series, you know, I for Luka with his injury, if it really is a nerve issue, I kind of want him to shut it down. Like, you're yeah. not – the Mavs are not in a position where you're going to win the championship, not with Kristaps Porzingis doing whatever the hell he's doing out there. Being Porzingis, uh, basically. <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, like, I you're not going to win a championship right now. That's not the team you are. And you're only 22. If it's a nerve issue, shut it down and get it fixed. Don't make it worse because yeah. you don't want to mess up your career over overplaying, especially on something like that. He said it was going from his spine to his arm, and that's never a good yeah, that sign. that doesn't sound good. That is never a good sign. Yeah. So you got, you got to shut it down. I, I really hope that the Mavs, you know, front office kind of at least knows, you know, doesn't, doesn't put him at risk. Um, so if they are playing him, like it's safe enough to play him, but from what it seems like, it really seems like Luca's just trying to tough it out. And I really don't think he should, he's shooting 40% from the free throw line. Like his arm is not okay. Even if he's shooting well from other places, like, 
something is wrong there. And so I, I honestly don't know um, with that series. I think the Clippers end up winning that probably in six. It looks like the Clippers have figured things out. Um, it just took a little bit. Ty Lu learned how to make an adjustment. <laughs> Um, and then in terms of like the Jazz Grizzly series, that series has been really fun. And I kind of just want to see more of John Moran. I really, I really hope they find a way to win that series. Because uh, I just want I just want to see more playoff John Moran. He's been incredible. And also, it would be really funny to see Utah, you know, lose in the first round, especially as a one seed. Um, Phoenix and LA, you know, with AD out, I, I still kind of have Phoenix in seven, uh, no matter what, even if AD was playing in game five. Uh, that, that series has had so many injuries, though. And so it's it's kind of hard to see, you know, or it's, it's kind of hard to predict what happens. If, if Chris Paul, you know, the, the shoulder flares back up, it could very easily swing back to the Lakers. I think the good sign is, you know, even when Devin Booker is not having a good game, like game four, he didn't play well they still were able to win that game. So Booker got the bad game out of the way and hopefully he can bounce back for game five. Uh, I, I want the Suns to win that series. And then Portland blowing out Denver in game four was, you know, not something I expected whatsoever. Um, but I expect that series to go to seven as well. And I could see that going either way. Uh, in terms of the East, there's the Brooklyn-Boston series, which, you know, I think that's over in five. I think that that's done. And I will say, uh, you know, with going back to, you know, what we were talking about with the whole player empowerment stuff uh, and the whole or not, the, the whole player issue, and especially with Kyrie, um, the jokes that came out of him stomping on the on the logo were probably the, the, my favorite thing of the playoffs. Yeah, I, I saw someone had a, a logo in a wheelchair – uh, with some bandages, and they were hoping that he was okay. <laughs> He's day to day. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, like Nikias tweeted um, <laughs> Celtics logo with face laceration, uh, not expected to come back. <laughs> uh, that, that one was really funny because I, I that's all they're they're gonna be done in five. Um, Philly, Washington, you know, I don't know what what happened with the Wizards. Actually, I do. They don't really have a team. Um, it's Russ and Beal and then a bunch of guys who shouldn't crack a normal rotation. Um, and then, you know, the other series is in there <laughs> with Milwaukee and Miami. Uh, the jokes that came out of that one were incredible too. I love, I love making fun of Miami for some, somehow, some way the heat became one of my least favorite teams this year. Uh, they're, they're up there in the, in the jazz Mavericks territory now. Um, and then what's the other series that I'm forgetting? Uh, the one is already over. <laughs> uh, the the heat and the bucks. No, no, no that's. I, no, I just, oh, you I mentioned just, that one. Yeah. Um. There's another one. Oh no, Knicks, Knicks Hawks, Knicks Hawks. Yeah. Yeah, that's over yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Knicks, <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not going. It's not going to seven. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had Knicks in seven whenever that started, and I I will very very happily change my prediction to uh, to Hawks in five because. Um, you know, Trey Young is, is doing a great job. Julius Randle went from most improved to most useless. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he even had, like, he had a decent, he had an average game last night, and, like, it really showed a difference for the Knicks. Like, if he's not playing well, that team is not good. And he hasn't been playing well. So they've been, you know, I think you throw the Rockets right out there right now with the, with the Knicks, I think they might be able to push them to seven games so well I mean they do have quickly who is apparently better than 
Jay Sean Tate as well. So I don't know why they're struggling. <laughs> they would love Tate on that team right now, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the playoffs are going to be fun. And honestly, the second round is what I'm most excited for. Um, you know, especially that Bucks net series. That's yeah. gonna be, I think whoever wins that series is probably going to win the championship. Although, you know, maybe don't count out Philly. I don't, I, I don't see a champion coming out of, out of the West, though, I, I think all of those teams are a little too banged up or uh, too Clippers for me to. <laughs> well, know, I, I, and I will say I agree with you. It's kind of amazing that the West is really just wide open. Man. I mean, you got the Utah Jazz, who's supposed to be quote unquote the best team. I mean, they're dealing with their own issues. I don't, I don't, I just don't trust Rudy Gobert as your second. Or I mean, some people say their best player, which is kind of crazy. But I don't trust him as one of your best players and taking you deep into the playoffs. And then you got the Phoenix Suns who are injured, Lakers are injured. Denver is injured, and then Portland, you know, I mean, I know they got the great Rockets legend Carmelo Anthony, but, I mean, they, they're, they're flawed. They, they can't really stop anybody on defense, even if they get past Denver. I mean, it's just too many teams that are inconsistent in the West, and I honestly think Brooklyn, Milwaukee, um, and the 76ers are probably better than any team that's out West, which is I know is kind of crazy to say, but I think it's kind of switched this playoffs. I think the East is definitely stronger. Um, than the West, because I just don't think that the Lakers are ever really going to get it together. And like you said with the Clippers, I mean, can you really ever truly trust the Clippers when it comes to the playoffs? I mean, I know they got different players now, but it's still the jersey just kind of just sticks out for me. It's still I still think a 3-1 Rockets coming back with Josh Smith and and and, and those players back in the day. So it's going to be really interesting coming into, you know, the second round. And like you said, uh, the Bucks Nets series, I, I think people are really underestimating the Bucks. I think the Bucks really have a chance to at least push it to seven games next series. So um, that's definitely going to be interesting. So that's going to wrap it up for today's show. But before we close it out, I want to give the guys another chance to kind of let everybody know where to find them. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. Also find a lot of my content at Space City Scoop, which is at Space City underscore Scoop on Twitter also. Uh, yeah, and you can find my podcast at Gen, C, Gen Z Rockets. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter at Finding Nemo 23. Yeah, again, as always, I appreciate the guys jumping on with me today. Um, if if we don't stop it now, we'll probably continue talking for another hour. But I definitely appreciate the guys jumping on today. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo H-O-U. That's Apollo H-O-U is all caps for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.